We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com. Or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program, weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Thank you for joining us tonight, everyone. 
We are in the house. Jacob is with me here. We are getting ready to put out some questions for you to answer. And um, Hey, Soapy. When? When, yeah. I, when you touched the dial, I went dead. Okay, hang on a second. Let's get, let's get Jacob. He is, that's terrible when he can't hear me because, I mean, I just pity anyone who cannot hear me. Yeah. It was all working until <laughs> you touched the dials. <laughs> okay. Well, that's. That's usually what happens when Soapy gets involved in the dials. I think I can. So you're, you're, um, you're maybe. Um, hey, hey, John, can you hear John me? John can, can give us a help. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show. Thanks for joining us. We've got some questions for you to answer tonight, and you can give us a call, 340-9585. And you can call us and be a part of the program, 340-9585. So. Uh, let me ask you a couple of questions from the Psalms and the Proverbs. We read Psalm 67, and then we also read Proverbs chapters 10 and 11. So I'll give you some questions there. We finished up the Gospel of John in the New Testament, reading chapters 10 through 21. And then we, on um, Friday, we went back to the Tanakh, back to the Old Testament. The Tanakh is, uh, as those of us in the know, I've learned from Jacob, it's called the Tanakh, the Old Testament. And so we go back to the book of First and Second Kings. Uh, they are originally one book, of course. And we'll read now that historical record from the books of First and Second Kings. Basically, that picks up with the death of David and the beginning of the reign of King Solomon. Isn't that right? I believe that is correct. Okay. So we'll pick up there. And... Uh, Jacob is going to pick up some questions for us from the Gospel of John and also from 1 Kings. Um, he has a good sense. He looks through these each week and gets an idea of questions that he thinks are really, really important and that they give rise to an important discussion. So we'll be looking at some questions that he has for us. Meanwhile, let me ask you this. From Psalm 67. Now, most of you, uh, do you know what the Great Commission is in the New Testament? Uh, it's a set phrase. It's We use it, uh, we apply this to one particular passage, Matthew chapters 28, verses 19 and 20 there. We call that the Great Commission. And um, so I'm going to refer to that in this question. Hey, Sophie. I know. You know that Jesus is a Jew because oh, yeah. he sent his yeah, disciples I, I, out. I, I can tell that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is proof that Jesus is a Jew. Proof that Jesus is a Jew. As said, if there were any doubt, right? Well, and and because he says, go out and work on a great commission. <laughs> I can tell that joke. Yay! And I want you to know, and the audience know, I made that joke up. He made it up. He, he made it funny, folks. It's, that is true. Uh, so Jesus sent his disciples out to work on a great commission. That's good. Well, Psalm 67 is like the great commission in the New Testament because it, uh, Psalm 67, calls for the salvation of what? Psalm 67 calls upon God uh, and, and asks for his salvation of what? Okay, I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, 
It, it does if you know what the Great Commission I think is. The I think the accent is wrong. He calls for the salvation of what? Oh, <laughs> okay, something like that. Uh, it's it's probably not very well phrased the question, but that's it. That's what's on the paper here. That's what we'll ask. If you know what does the Psalm sixty seven calls for salvation uh, for mm, the extent of the salvation maybe would be a good word to put it way to put it. Well, let's go to Proverbs chapter ten now. Uh, I like this question. It's a little bit of a... Um, I, I like it. I like it. Proverbs 10, verse 24. Proverbs 10, 24. It talks about two things. It talks about the fears of the wicked and the hopes of the godly. Now, at the end of Proverbs 10, 24, it says, uh, at the end of the proverb there, chapter 10, that... The same thing is going to happen to both of those things. Psalm uh, Proverbs 10.24 talks about the fears of the wicked and the hopes of the godly. What is going to happen to both? All right. Uh, don't you like that? I mean, it's kind of kind of interesting. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, would you call it poetic or literary? Uh, it seems um, to me. I like it. It's said another way in the book of Job. Okay. Is Everything it? I fear has come upon me. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, let's not give away the answer, but I like that too. That that uh, that that does relate well to this question. I thought. It did. All right, let's go to the Gospel of John. Let's so see what questions you liked uh, about the Gospel of John. Well, uh, the first one of your questions, I'm going to pick number two. Uh huh. <clears throat> it's a who am I kind of question. We are two sisters. Jesus raised their brother Lazarus from the dead. Who are we? Two sisters, two famous sisters from the gospel message. That's a nice, simple question. Uh-huh, I like that one. And then number three, yep. what is the shortest verse in the Bible in the New Testament? Uh, and that's in John eleven thirty-five. Is there a shorter verse in the, old, in the Tanakh? No, but the, the longest one is in the Tanakh. Yeah, that's true. Let um, me see. I think I know that one, but I can't. We don't have time because it's like a hundred. We don't have time words. for the the longest verse in the Bible. <laughs> it's it's so long, right? Yeah. Okay, How, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? You can give us the reference and give us the text. Uh, it should be easy for you to memorize this verse. Uh, it only has two words. Let's put it that way. And I don't know. Maybe this is the shortest verse in the Bible in a certain version. I don't know. Is that? Oh. Is, the version or the language come into this thing at well, all? It could. How's okay. that? All right. We'll go with it. Good. All right. What else you got for us? Anything uh, else from the Gospel of John? Oh, yeah. I think you wanted to ask something about yes, the Holy I Spirit. Do. Yes, I do. You're number 13. And I'd like you, when we get the answer to this, to expound. Uh-huh. Uh, says, you're number 13. The Holy Spirit ministers to believers in many ways but also influences non-believers by convincing them of what three things? And you'll find the answer in John 16, 8. I like that question. I really and, do. And I think you're going to have to explain that. i got some explaining to got do? some explaining, Lucy. All right. I'll give it a shot. Uh-huh. What else uh, we got? Um, okay. This is going to be an interesting one. Let's go down to year number 23. Okay. Jesus said, It is finished. On the cross, that's John 19.30. The word finished is a legal or accounting term, meaning 
What? And I am going to uh, discuss that with you in a moment. All right. Are you going to contradict me? Never. <laughs> oh, really? We're we're in agreement a little bit on that one, maybe a little bit. I would say a little bit. Okay, good. That's that's always a good thing when brothers can walk together in peace, uh, in harmony. Peace is good. Yep. Okay. Let's. You want to go to First Kings? Uh, I do. I do. What do you want to ask? Uh, let's. Uh, jump we only read the first three chapters, so. Um, but okay. there's a lot. Of, the lot takes place. I, I'm really. I have to accept before you get into a question. I was listening to this uh, this week uh, on Friday, and I was, as I read this passage, I was thinking, "Wow, the, it, it it's so human." To me, it seemed so human. After all, we've talked about David, mm-hmm. about the, you know, the great king of Israel and a man after God's own heart, and all that he went through and so on. His final words to his uh, son, to Solomon, and so on. His mm-hmm. final admonition. Mm-hmm. Are so human. I just, I I just laughed. I just talking about where he says, make sure you kill Joab. Yeah, make make sure. (laughs) Yeah, and you'll know how to treat him. You know, you'll make you'll know how to make him have a death, uh, a very hard, painful death. You know, I I just thought, oh my lands, do politicians all talk that way? I guess it's part of it. But anyway, chapters one through three essentially is kind of David. Prepping uh, Solomon for the throne, I guess, in a way. Yes. What question did you like? Well, actually, you've only got four or five questions here, so I had to pick. True. Now, my pickings are lean. But I will tell you before I tell you the question. Uh, chapter 1 and 2 of the first book of Kings uh-huh. uh, is a very interesting book because it does two things. It shows how Solomon got to be king. And why? And, uh, and you know, I think you ought to. Uh, you're going to have to explain that to us uh, a little bit as well, because I think a lot of folks, I don't think we're as familiar with that, that reasoning or that 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 the, the whole set of circumstances. We're not quite as familiar with it. I don't think as you are, uh, as Jewish people normally are. Because I mean, the, in the first place. We're talking about your history. We're talking about the history of your people, your nation, uh, your monarch, and so on here. But uh, I don't think we emphasize so much why, uh, how was Solomon actually chosen and why he was chosen. And it, I don't think we realize all, a lot of the facts of the matter. Because I think it partly, partially is due to the text, Jacob. It jumps very quickly from the time of the death of Bathsheba's child, mm. the first child, quickly to um, further down the line. There's it, a reason for that. Okay, but but then we 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 somehow think they're right together, mm-hmm. and actually there are several children in between there, right? I mean, there's several very important things. I think there are other the, firstborn children prior to Solomon. The prior to Solomon coming along. So, and we don't get that. Necessarily, because we're just kind of reading linearly, mm-hmm. and we don't get that. And sometimes I, it, it, I, I don't think we quite understand the political circumstances as well. well. Actually, may I say it's yeah. uh, not political; it's uh, righteousness, spiritual. It's a matter of, yeah, okay. Uh, so anyway, let me give you your question. You got things, it. Huh? Uh, you're number two. After Solomon was crowned king of Israel, he sent. And I believe it's pronounced in English, Adonijah. 
Adonijah. We don't make it nearly as difficult. Uh, uh, Adonijah in Hebrew. Adonijah. Uh -huh. Okay. And Adonijah made a request later that it caused Solomon to have him killed. What was that request? My wife asked me that same question this week. Uh -huh. She said, why was that such a big deal? You know, so well, I'm dying to hear the audience's answers and your okay. answer. After Solomon was crowned king of Israel, he sent Adonijah home. And, of course, it begs the question, who was Adonijah? Maybe we should ask that question. Uh, question as well. well the answer is in uh first kings chapter 2 verse 17 okay adonijah went home and then he made a request later that he asked he made that request of uh i think he went to solomon's mother he did he went to bathsheba and, and made this mother, request exactly. so what was the oh, request see anything of similarity why he would go to her ah uh, let's start putting the well, story together remember right, it's a right. story all right there you go so anyway, what was the request that Adonijah made to Bathsheba? Aha. Uh -huh. And it got him killed. It got him uh -huh. killed, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he died to get that answer. He was just he, dying yes, to get that answer. And uh, year number five is uh, God told Solomon to ask for anything he desired, and it would be granted. What did Solomon request? You'll find that in... First Kings chapter three verse nine. Now everybody should know that because it's a famous story, but I'm sure Jacob's going to put a little bit of a twist on that because we're getting into these terminology he loves to talk about. This. Uh -huh. So anyway, we'll we'll save that. But God told Solomon to ask for anything he wanted, like a like the genie mm -hmm. says, "You got three yeah. wishes." Well, God says, "You only got one wish, but anything you want." Yeah. What did Solomon request of the Lord? That was in chapter three. Verse nine, and it was, it was a dream, right? Uh, that's what everybody believes. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I would like to ask if it's okay with you. Could I throw out an extra bonus thing? It's not on your list. Sure. It's on Why the book not? Of John. I like your bonus questions. Okay. This is a bonus one. From John or John ten twenty two. Uh huh. And what is what is ten twenty two about? So that's your question? That's the question. So I people am, have to look up the I verse. I am going to surprise everybody, or at least the people who don't, don't know. this verse about? Okay. The, uh, uh -huh. So you have to actually have to have a Bible to answer that question, yes, evidently. Unless 10, you want to just take 22. a shot in the dark. Yeah. Or maybe somebody knows their Bible so well they remember that passage. It could be. John ten twenty two. What is that verse about? Uh -huh. So there you have it. That's one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions, and then that one sort of crazy question that Jacob had yes. on the end. Of course, that's the one where Soapy said he'll give you a new car. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, one of those little matchbox oh, yeah, cars. Yeah. All right, uh, there you go. About nine or ten questions there for you to answer. Three, four, zero, ninety-five, eighty-five is the phone number. If you heard any of those questions and you thought. I can answer that. I know the answer to that question. You know, I can I, do this. I was this. writing and trying to write then down. Then give line. us, uh, yeah, John already. Can, can he say, I can't see what he wrote. Well, he wrote he wrote the whole verse on a piece of paper. <laughs> so he knows one of the. So even John knows the answer to that question. Oh, even okay. John knows that one. So he got the shortest verse in the Bible. Oh. If you know does that he, does verse. Does he win a prize? Well, sure. He gets some. See us every week. That's his prize. Uh -huh. That's okay. <laughs> he, 
the saddest face I've ever seen. Second place. <laughs> it's is like being punished. Yeah. What's the difference between that and being punished, right? Well, second place is he gets to see us for two weeks in a row. <laughs> first place is he only has to see us one week in a row. I guess first place is one week. Well, it's yeah. less. Somehow we can get through the week without having to see us, I suppose. Here we go. Uh, you can give us a call, 340-9585. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Who are the two sisters? Uh, Jesus raised our brother Lazarus from Those the dead. Straightforward, easy who, who are those two sisters? Um, the Holy Spirit ministers to believers in many ways, but he also influences non-believers by convincing them of three things. What three things does the Holy Spirit uh, convince non-believers, those outside of faith, uh, the, I, I would call not non-believers, but pre-believers, all right? Let's be optimistic. Everyone is going to come sooner or later to that belief. The Holy Spirit then convinces them of three things. What are they? Um, when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, in John 19, verse 30, uh-huh. the word finished is a legal term what does it mean, the word finished? It is finished. When Jesus said that on the cross, what? I guess it's a Greek word he used, or right? it's certainly not Hebrew. It's a Greek word he used there on, on the cross. So what does that, when it, it's translated, it is, is finished. Is this kind of a joke? He's Jewish and he said it's finished and it's an accounting term. Is this funny? Uh, that is a little. Uh, I guess it's one of those... Evidences that Jesus was, uh, in fact, uh, a Jewish person. Actually, I'm going to make a suggestion when they get answered that it might mean something else. All right. Okay. Well, we'll we'll take your suggestion, as we always do, and put it in the suggestion box. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Along with all your other suggestions uh, for us. Yeah. No, we appreciate it very much, uh, honestly. Um, that's right. You may be wondering why Jacob is along. Why does he? Uh, we all just, wonder. <laughs> no, why does he endure this abuse from Soapy week after week? It's because he's on a mission. Uh, the Jewish people yeah. have been called, yeah. and I've told him this many times, and of course it's in the scriptures as well. You are supposed to be the the explainers. You're supposed to explain to us Gentiles about the true and living God and what He's like and what He requires of us as human beings. And you're you're supposed to be explaining. Uh, the oracles of God to us, and and uh, Jacob is taking that very seriously, is helping us understand the scriptures, giving us that very, very important Hebrew li- linguistic uh, input, uh, cultural, traditional uh, understanding of the historical context and, and uh, understanding of these passages, both Old and New Testaments. Remember, these these are thoroughly Jewish texts. Yeah, These I was going to ask about something. Old and in, new. In your uh, second question where you said his name is, uh, where you pronounce it? Uh, uh, Adonijah. Adonijah. Now, that's interesting because there's even a Jewish song that people sing in temples, synagogues, that's Adonalam, Adonalam. And you see, I'm, and that's why it's pronounced from the Hebrew, Adonijah. Well, something uh, about God, right? Isn't oh, that's Adonai right. is Adonai one of the names is, for God? And Yah, I suppose, is too, right? Yah is the first pronounceable syllable of God's holy name, yeah. Yah, okay. Uh-huh. except there's no J in Hebrew, but there is in English, so they pronounce it Jah, but in Hebrew it would be Yah, and Adon, and you put the I on it, and anytime you see the word with an I on it, uh-huh. it's like the word my. So you saying, Lord, my, Yah. Lord, my God. The Lord, my uh, yeah. God. How about that? 
Well, they had interesting names, didn't they? And, oh, uh, yeah. Was, uh, you know. Too bad what happened to Adonijah in a way. I hope he lived up to his name. Not, not in a way, in the only way. <laughs> well, on planet Earth, that's about the uh, only way, worst yeah. thing, the worst way, to, worst way to end it, right? Yeah. So anyway, you've got those questions, folks. We've got nine or ten questions. The phone lines are totally empty. And I was writing the phone number down when you started telling it before. Do, and you, you didn't get all of it, I right? didn't get all of it. Would you just say it again? Yes, it's 340 9585. That's the local number. In other words, the area code is 210. Cell phones these days, you know, they call the whole United States with the same number. 210-340-9585. If someone is dialing from somewhere outside the direct dialing area of uh, San Antonio or across the continental United States, listening perhaps by the the Internet uh, out in the cyber world, if you'd like to give us a call, we can call us toll-free as well. Russ says Rio Linda. Yeah, those of you from Rio Linda, 877-630-5757, that makes it toll-free, 630-5757. Somebody's calling. First line is lit up, so you can do the same thing. Just give us a call, 340-9585. You can start lining up, and we'll get you to answer questions and win some great prizes. The prizes are going out this week. Hey, I was going to ask you, have you sent out the prizes? They're going out this week. I, uh-huh. It's not so much a problem, uh-huh. and, and I guess I have to kind of make an excuse for myself, a little bit of an excuse for myself. I'm not tr- not trying to totally, but it, it, all along, it's not really been Soapy's necessarily. It, our, our sponsors, too, have there's some things that have to happen on their end for me to be able to get out the uh, the the uh, certificates and so on, and so uh, we're finally bringing it all together. It will uh, happen this week. Are you trying to say that you still have not got the one for the restaurant? Not yet, no. You know, no I don't know how many times I'm going to have to go over I this know. with you. you you're know? getting pretty skinny too. I know that you're not you're not eating right until yeah. I get that. Well, coupon. I'm waiting for those coupons. Aren't you glad you were really truly not waiting? <laughs> For the, I mean, literally, you'd be starved by now, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Austin's on one. All right. Let's go quit slandering here and go visit with Austin. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What did you do? Well, I Maybe think... Maybe Austin's singing. Let's see what we can do here. Austin, hang on. We're figuring out how to work the phone for the first time. Oh, I know what that is. <laughs> that's, our <laughs> that's our signal, Austin, that we are... Taking a break. I hope that you'll stay on the line. Austin, hang on. Stay on the line with us, okay, Austin? We'll be back after these messages, and we'll take your answer or your question, whichever it is. All right? Are you there, Austin? All right. Hang on there. We're going to be back in just a couple of minutes, okay? All right. Don't go away. Austin's going to stay on the line with us. That is our. We're wondering what the music was. It was our break music. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go away. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, The James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. 
Well, Elizabeth and I went and looked for Rest Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it would take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. Great wealth is not related to money. Hello, this is Chuck Swindoll. Great wealth is not related to money, but is an attitude of satisfaction in saying, that's enough. It is that satisfaction coupled with inner peace, plus a day-by-day, moment-by-moment walk with the living God. In a word, The secret is contentment. That constitutes great wealth. Whatever things were gained to me, wrote Paul in Philippians 3.7, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Knowing Christ, that's enough. And believe me, that is wealth. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. Just a face in the city, just a tear on a crowded street. But you were one in a million, and you belong to me. And I want you to know that I'm not letting go, even when you come undone. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. The Bible Live quiz show. Austin is on the line. We're going to bring him up here and visit with him. Just as we get back into the spirit of the program, we've got about nine or ten questions out on the airwaves that you can call in. If you know the answer, give us the answer, and we can uh, make you a winner on the program and send you, include you in the mailing going out this week of those receiving uh, prize packets uh, of different kinds from our sponsors. And I hope that will cheer your day and maybe give a little help to the family budget. That's our hope at least, uh, and encourage you to, to get into God's Word, to study the Scriptures, know the Scriptures, and get to know the God of the Scriptures as well. Okay, let's go now. Um, Austin, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Oh, I'm so glad you're still there. Thank you very much for hanging in there with us and being patient. We both got surprised by our own music. 
we thought, whoa, what's that music? We thought maybe you were uh, performing for us or something tonight. Can you sing for yeah. us? Is that another one of your uh, one of your gifts? Uh, no, not particularly. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, Austin, you heard some questions go out. Did you want to answer maybe one or a couple of those questions for us, or did you have a question of your own yeah. or something else? Okay. What What did you want to um, answer? Oh, well, thanks to another show on this station, I think I may know the answer to the John 10.22 question. Oh, good. Uh, but but wow, since I'm bonus. using a new phone, I was wondering if you could tell me if I am clear-sounding. You are very clear-sounding. Uh, uh, we are the ones that normally have a problem every, every now and again. Our board or something, we don't come out loud and clear, but we're hearing you perfectly well. Let's go with the first, the other oh, question you might want to answer. What what one of the other sure. questions? Do you know the shortest verse in the Bible, for example, and that sort of thing? Uh, the shortest verse in the Bible is uh, Jesus wept. You oh. got it exactly right. Do you know where it is? Oh, uh, no, I do not. <laughs> oh, well, I'll see now. Uh, shall we just let him get by with uh, the the knowing the verse by well, memory? Since that was the question, I think so. Okay, we'll let him go with Jesus <laughs> wept, and it's found in John chapter eleven, verse thirty-five. Jesus, do you okay. do you remember the occasion, Austin? What was the occasion of this verse when Jesus wept? Um. I think it was uh, when the uh, Lazarus died. Yes, and uh, this, they were mourning over good. Him. his good friend Lazarus. Evidently, this family was kind to Jesus. They, uh, they, you know, he had a friendship. He stopped off quite often at their home when he came back down south to uh, visit Jerusalem for, uh, for uh, Passover or for other celebrations and occasions. He often stayed at their mm-hmm. home. Do you remember the the two sisters' names? The two sisters of Lazarus. Uh, one of them was Mary. The other was, one. The also, other Martha. Martha, you got it exactly yeah, right. You're helping that, us a this lot. This guy's pretty good. He's got his Bible. Both M M words, Mary and Martha. Their brother Lazarus was the one that Jesus raised from the dead. But before he raised him from the dead, he heard the news that Lazarus had died, and we have that that simple. Little verse from John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Yeah, why I, did he weep? It's very touching. Why, isn't it? why did he weep? Yeah. No, I'm asking you. I'm asking you. you. <laughs> I ask you first. No, well, no okay. I, I think we'll hear from our second speaker, Soapy. Why did he weep? Oh, oh why do you think he wept, Austin? Oh, here he dodge, is. Dodge. Yeah, I know. Let's get get the innocent fellow here to well, ask. He's going to resurrect it, him. He's going to everything's going to be well, okay. So why is he weeping? Yeah, Jesus knows. Okay, in the first place. Okay, let's suppose for the moment Jesus is indeed. Uh, the Messiah. He has all that biblical you said, perspective. Did I understand you correct? Did you say, let us suppose? Yes. Okay. okay. For I the just, moment, Jesus is the Messiah. Make, yeah. he, has, he has all this biblical understanding, wow. this biblical wow. view of life and death and yeah. human uh, human existence. And so he knows that, you know, he, he peace in his heart. Wow. I mean, he, he, and he also knows that, you know, well, I suppose he knows that he's going to go down there and raise Lazarus from the dead because it comes up in the very next sentence. He says, let's go. He waits a few days and he goes down. I bet you, I bet you Austin knows how many days he takes the resurrection. Oh, oh. How many days did he wait before he, how many days did he let Lazarus, uh, uh, 
After Lazarus died and went to the grave, do four. you happen to know? Four days, exactly. You know, so far, he's not. He's four for four. Four hundred percent. He. They even said, "Oh, he. It, it would smell bad." They said, "Open the grave and and so on." Okay, now, then, why did Jesus, Austin? If you could give us a thought on it, we'd appreciate it. Why? Why did Jesus weep? I think because uh, of the effect of, of sin on on the world and. And uh, he was weeping because of of of, uh, of all the grief that sin brought to people. I like that answer a lot myself. What do you think, Jacob? Oh no, no, no! You go first, because I, I like you. it. That's what I would go with. I would say you're, he you're, he you're felt the pain. Austin's answer. I think I think he felt the pain of Mary. He was thinking of Mary and Martha, and he's thinking of his friends uh, there that that they'd lost a good friend. He saw the impact. Death is uh, the ultimate impact of of sin on our human lives, and it makes sense to me. Uh, maybe and maybe too uh, the very idea. You know, sometimes we say at funerals, we're going to. We all know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we know we're going to see our friend again. We're going to see um, our our spouse or our brother or sister, our friend. We're going to see them again when Christ returns and someday we'll be together and united in glory. But still we weep, still we grieve because we miss them. We won't be together with them. Maybe that becomes a part of the answer as well. What do you think, Austin? Any other thing? That's pretty much what you were saying, I guess, right? Identifying with the pain and the guilt and the human experience of, yeah. of death, yeah. Well, uh, Jacob, are you yeah. g- going to opine on this or not? Uh, yeah, I am going to opine. Okay. I think. Uh, I think it's. Are we in the ballpark? Well, well of course you are. Are we in the I Jewish mean, ballpark? Not, or I not? may not be right, but I am an expert in my own opinion. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I, <laughs> I think the uh, the answer is in the text. Okay. Because uh, it begins back up in 31. Don't back away from your microphone. Okay, well, I had to look in the Bible. Well. Okay. Um, uh, It's talking, um, it says, they said, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have been dead. And as you said, he and his family were close friends. He's been telling them I'm the Messiah, I am the resurrection, that kind of stuff. I think he's crying because they act like in their practice that they're not believing him because he immediately resurrects. Oh, that could could be uh, that, again, once again, Jesus is crying. May I I be so gauche as to read verse 40 of that particular passage? You mean put the the verse in its context? Well, I was thinking, you know. Uh So it says verse 40. This is after he raised him in 39, after four days, as Austin is correct about. Verse 40 says... And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I think he's saying you guys don't believe me. You know, well, you, you might have something you're, you're there, talk- Jacob. I, Jesus I, I was often disappointed, I think. Wait, wait, wait. We have a disagreement on the line. Okay. Go ahead, Austin. Uh, there are so many times where people uh, don't believe, I think, about various things. And Jesus generally didn't weep about disbelief true yeah he's pretty patient and pretty often uh i i think sometimes he was disappointed and maybe slightly hurt by their lack of understanding or faith uh that is true that is that might have been part of it i tend to go with what austin said though and i i've thought that before too that probably it was just the human 
identifying with the human loss and the human experience of of um, the, the impact of sin on our uh, on our lives on our existence. I, I kind of tend to go with that, but it could be a part of the factor too. Is a slight bit of disappointment that they they didn't live in that victory. They didn't grab a hold of it and, and know that I, I don't know somehow. Uh, I, I, it makes sense to me. I I could get both sides, but I kind of tend to go with. Uh, and that's the, fine. With and, uh, and, and we're we're gonna give Austin the presents. Oh yeah, you're not gonna get a prize anyway. Austin no. is right. Well, Austin, anything else you wanted to add about? We did have uh, a bonus. How about John ten twenty two? Oh, there you go. We're gonna go to that yeah. passage. What is John ten twenty two about? I got to look it up in my Bible here while you're well, explaining. I I think that the that other radio show I. Uh, that I had mentioned, uh, Messianic Perspectives. I think oh. it mentioned something about it being about Hanukkah. Whoa, he's got it. He's oh, got it. Hang on. Let yeah, me I got it. Jump back. He's got it. It was uh, the Feast of the Dedication. Uh, uh, Is the Feast of the Dedication the same as Hanukkah? Yes. Huh? It was the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. Yes. Uh, that's verse 22. Now. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple go. in the portico of Solomon. It was actually in. Uh, it was a commemoration date of uh, December 165 B.C. You might say. All right. Or uh, uh, B.C.E. for Jews, but at any rate, same idea. 165 years earlier, uh-huh. and it's when Hanukkah got established. Now I'm going to ask the thunderbolt question. Are you ready, Soapy and Austin? I'm ready. I'm sure Austin's more well, ready. Austin, ready. are you still there? Hello. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, sir. Oh, I oh, thought maybe there. you got your prizes and went home. No, no, he hadn't got them uh, yet. Oh. Uh, okay. If Jesus is keeping Hanukkah, and it's clear that he's keeping it, that's without a doubt, your other show you mentioned, is 100% correct, because that's what the verse is about. And it is established by the Maccabees. By the way, Maccabees means the hammer. How about that from Hebrew? Mm-hmm. At any rate, um, why... Would you think, Austin, that people in the Christian world, since Jesus did this, doesn't do not keep Hanukkah these days? Well, maybe in part because they don't know much about Hanukkah, and also because maybe they see it as a bit too ritualistic and legalistic, and Jesus did away with with a a lot of legalistic type things. Hmm. There you okay. go. Well, I was just I was just curious. Well, of course. Are you sorry you asked the question? No, now no, or not? I, obviously I would disagree with Austin, but I accept his opinion. Well, now if we don't know about it, uh, it's because it's because you guys haven't, like I said before, you haven't explained. I it hate to, us to I hate to be so gauche again, right. but it's been in your Bible for two thousand years. But but you're the ones called but upon to explain fault, it to. You know, so. That's well, right. It's, it's, you already said it's Jacob's fault. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I go along with that. Yeah. Um, all right, Jacob, are you, got, are you going to unscrew the? Well, yeah, th- this for is where, uh, of course, the Maccabees took the temple back and they purified the temple with uh, a fire. And the, it, the reason it's Hanukkah is the story, as the story goes, um, there was only a, when they took the temple back, there was only enough oil for one day, but. By a miracle of Hanukkah, the miracle of the lights, it, the, there was enough oil to make the menorah go for eight whole days. And it became a miracle. 
and Jesus is keeping this date of the miracle, the Hanukkah, the festival of the lights or the dedication of the temple. And the reason it was dedicated is because the Maccabees had rededicated after they took it back from the bad guys. Okay, I've got a question for you. This chapter 10 of John says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. As the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Mm-hmm. In other words, Jesus is taking that that uh, old, that Old Testament image of the good shepherd in Zechariah and other places. I have, a, but he says, I have other sheep that are not of mm-hmm. this fold. Yes, I must bring them also, and they will heed my voice. Mm-hmm. So there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is this? other sheep that are not of this fold maybe uh, i i don't know i don't want to keep um i don't want to keep austin on unnecessarily austin you can stay on as long as you like with us and be a part of the conversation or if you'd like to give your information to john we want to include you in our mailing this week of our prizes that go out uh did you have any other comment or question that you you might want to ask or you want to stay with us a minute uh, I'll stay as long as you have me. i got not much to do, really. I love to hear your thoughts on this as well, though. Yeah. Uh, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. There's several important things here. One, that one. Who are these what, these other sheep, Jacob, mm-hmm. that you would think of Jesus says? And then he makes a big point of saying, I lay down my life voluntarily. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own mm-hmm. accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take my life up again. This charge I have received from my father. Uh, and there, that caused a division among the Jews that saying, he's, he has a demon. Is he mad? Why listen to him? Uh, these are not the sayings of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Okay, tell us a little bit about that conversation that Jesus, and the Jewish response to that, that he's, that he's demon inspired or demon. Uh, give me a little bit of your thoughts on that. Who are these other sheep? And I think it's obviously that it's intended to mean the non-Jews, the Gentiles, and they're also included because, contrary to much misstated history, uh, anybody and from any nation was always allowed to join Israel. Right. Exactly. I know there's a thought that somehow the Jews excluded them. That's not true. And Jesus would not have excluded. Well, they them. have maybe have made that mistake. And some some individuals made that mistake, perhaps. Somehow. Well, that exactly brings me to my point. But I, it wasn't the, the, it wasn't a generally held truth. And the thing I was going to ask you, I like that sis. This is why I've, I've said over and over again that we are two people who belong together. Uh, the Jews and, and, and the followers of Messiah, uh, the, the, all those who truly follow after God, he says, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. And I kind of aspire to that oneness, right. that harmony. Well, that, let's make it clear, though, the couple of verses after that, when, when uh, it's not a whole bunch of people, it's one or two people who yeah. say, he has, uh, yeah. he has a demon, and he's insane. Yeah, okay. there was a division let's there among say, the Jews. Yeah. Let, let, let us just clear up that the demon is not the other sheep that Jesus was referring to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that very much. I'm glad to know that. Um, anyway, and so there it leads up. It says it was the Feast of the Dedication at Jerusalem, the, the Hanukkah, uh, a Feast of Lights, right? Uh, Festival of Festival Lights. Festival of Lights, yeah. Fe- okay. yeah. And, uh, and it's dedication because the Maccabees rededicated the temple. 
and uh, and and actually they kind of established guerrilla warfare because they would hit and run, you might say. And and, what, and what's fascinating is that this thing about Hanukkah and rededicating the temple and Jesus attending, obviously, it occurs right after this thing about him being the door, and uh, mm-hmm. and these other sheep. So there's something going on here. So I think we have to take a long, hard look at what he means is that when there's somebody else in the temple and who, if that's what we're to understand, who are these other people running the temple? Why would he be attending on the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah? And he's talking about these other people that have the temple, but he's the door. I'm going to suggest that these people he's talking about surrounding the temple are the lackeys, the appointees of Herod and Rome. And they're not really religious. They're certainly not Levites. Caiaphas was not a Levite. And they got the jobs because they bought them, and they pay money and taxes to Rome and Herod. So I think it's not a coincidence that he's talking about these people who are opposing him, and he's going to the temple on the Feast of Dedication to commemorate and redo, at least by preaching, the idea of Hanukkah uh, had cleaned up the people that improperly and illegally took over the temple previously, and he's doing it again. Wow. Yeah, this is really a, um, como dicen en español, un, un, yeah. un pasaje gordo. This is a fat passage. This is pregnant with meaning, this entire passage, because the Jews say, um, uh, they say, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And, and Jesus said, I told you, and you don't believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And then he goes on further down. Oh, there's some wonderful passage, but I'm going quickly. He says, uh, and they begin to stone him. The Jews took up stones to be, to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he says, I've, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And they said, we're not stoning you for good works, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself out to be God. And and then, of course, the passage goes on, and Jesus responds to that. Very, I mean, there's just this, it's this battle for, for understanding of the role, the person and the role of Messiah, who he was to be, how he was to function, what he was to be accomplished, what he was to accomplish on our behalf. That seemed to be the greatest confusion on the part of the Jewish people. Even his own disciples, they understood his person, his identity, but they didn't understand his role, his mission, uh, as clearly as they could have or maybe should have. Even though Jesus, I think, it seems fairly often we look in the text that he did tell them, but these things, evidently they're just... They were really hard for them to capture. Or the women got it. I was always amazed that Mary and Martha, um, a number of the women seemed to get it really clearly, what was going on, what was going to happen. Um, I don't know what that says about <laughs> the intellectual uh, abilities of men and women. But anyway, it seemed like some some few seemed to get it, but the rest of them were really struggling, even the disciples. To well, get the identity of the Messiah, understand his function, uh, actually, his mission. If I might, I think that's a little bit off focus of this particular passage. You think so? Oh yeah, I do. I thought okay. Well, well listen, maybe uh, anything to add to that, 
Austin, any, any thought about it as you you seen one you you know the scriptures you've well, looked into them? Is that around the shortly after that? Is that where Jesus said uh, uh, talks about how uh, uh, he quotes some sort of scripture where you you have been called uh, gods or something? Yes, that's, he says. Is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of the Father, then do not believe me. In other words, he gets into the he gets into the scriptures. He gets into the doctrinal sort of a theological discussion with them based on the scriptures there, and he he gets down in there, you know, he gets down in the mud with it, gets down in there and works it out. Uh, trying to struggle with them about it, uh, and even brings up uh, John the Baptist, where John uh, he went away across the Jordan to the place where John at first baptized. There's something going on here now. Jacob, I think, has put his fingers on it many times. Is that there is a there is a level of confusion and a level of conflict in the Jewish people at this time because of this uh, because of the the fact that. The, the the priesthood was compromised. People were non Levites were in the uh, in the um, in the priesthood. Remember buying their positions there in the uh, in the Jewish leadership, uh, the Sanhedrin, uh, and so there was this. There's boy, there was a big, there was a big struggle within the Jewish people in this era, in this time, and the level of corruption and the level of compromise, uh, spiritual compromise about the temple, about all things spiritual was really, really high. And so you could see that you could see why there would be this constant confusion and chaos around the the person of the Messiah and the mission, the role. What was he here for? Even the ones that seemed to get that he was the Messiah thought that he was there maybe well, to let, deliver okay, them. Let, let me um let me may if I may. Jesus in this passage at Austin well quoted, he's saying uh, in your law and uh, I, I don't, I don't think that could be Torah. Torah it actually means from Hebrew, it means instructions or uh-huh. um, teaching. But uh, and but what he's referencing is Psalm eight eighty two six. Now, the word God with a small g is not applied just to gods. It is applied to rulers. It's applied to judges. So sometimes if you're not real careful about how you use the word God, if, if I don't see how you spell it when you say it, if I might say, then sometimes I'm not aware or anybody's not aware of what it means. Now, if we think that he's saying you are gods in the sense of um, gods being like the God, I don't think that's what he's referring to because that's what Psalm 82 is referring to. It's referring to like judges or rulers because they do get to make decisions. And in a sense, mm-hmm. they used to use that term interchangeably with the idea of a judge or a ruler, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, knowing that, and since it's referencing the Psalm 82, I think, and that's what Psalm 82 is really referring to, I think that's what it's referring to, and if we're not aware of that, we tend to think that uh, Jesus is saying, well, you guys call yourself gods because your law says so. Well, there's nowhere that I'm aware of in the Torah, and that's the law, is that uh, 
God's law, not their law, but God's law. And there's nowhere I'm aware of that people are considered on the same level as being a God. Now, if there is, I'll stand corrected, and I'll be the first to say I'm wrong, but I don't think there is. It seems like he's saying you have this. This is not a totally unheard of concept to you guys because your scriptures talk a little bit about this. But he says, he goes further, he said, uh, uh, do you say of him, talking about himself, whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God. If I am not doing the works of the Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, and even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again, they tried to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. In other words, I, I guess, I, again, I would say they seem to misunderstand the concept of the Messiah and what was going to be the role of the Messiah. And again, though, he very clearly here states that okay, he uh, is the Son of God. Right. And in eight, I looked it up, and from the Hebrew it means in 82, 6, it means that those who judge do so by God's appointments. So they're doing um, the power by God. And that's maybe the reference that Jesus makes to, if I'm doing the, if I'm doing the works of the Father, see how he makes it? Could that be the connecting? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, Austin, thanks. There's our music. We have to break away one more time. But you have been so kind to stay with us and give us a thought and spur us in our discussion of this passage tonight. Would you talk to John and give him that information? And we'll send out a prize package to you this week. Thanks, Austin. Thank you awful much. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. We'll be back in a moment with more from the Bible Live Quiz Show. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever wandering heart. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. And we are back. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show, inviting you to join with us this last half hour of the program, answering some of these questions from the New Testament and from our reading in the book of First Kings. We, la- we read the first three chapters of the book of First Kings this past week. Uh, but as well, mostly we're focusing on chapters 10 through 21 of the Gospel of John. We've been looking at the life of Jesus, of the Messiah, and we're looking at the struggles and the the complications, the difficulties uh, that are involved now as Jesus presents himself uh, there in uh, to the people of Israel, there in the land of, of Israel. And as he lives out his life, as he makes his claims as clearly as he can about who he is, about his function, about why the Messiah has come. And I've been talking to Jacob here about the confusion uh, that seemed to exist there uh, around Jesus. And what was the basis of this confusion? Why was it so complicated? And, of course, Jacob has been very helpful to us in helping us understand the political chaos that existed 
because of Rome's domination over the people of Israel, Rome had taken total control. They had begun, they had begun to appoint, uh, their own appoint, their own appointees to the Sanhedrin, the governing body uh, among the Jews, and even to appoint priests, not Levites, as they were commanded in the scriptures, but put other peoples into people into positions of power and influence and the priesthood and so on. And so this created a great deal of conflict and and confusion. And for godly uh, uh, Jewish people who knew and wanted to follow God's laws, of course, they knew that this was wrong. Uh, In fact, if I remember correctly, Jacob, you've even told us about statues of other gods, statues of the Caesar. uh, Yeah, there's no doubt. In in the temple itself. That's right. Before the temple was destroyed, Caligula had put a statue of himself in the temple. Now, that is remarkable. No Levites would have participated unless they were totally corrupt. So what's going on is... Uh, these people that are appointed are buying the officer, using it for business, and they charge a little bit. And the word vicarage, so they add a little bit on for themselves. Herod gets a little bit. This is how they were taxing the people to do religious activities. And so the, that was how they were taxing. That is the explanation of why the people hated the tax collectors, because they were charging them to do the religious things and then stealing the money and sending it to Rome. That's how Rome was getting its taxes. That's why people with money would buy those offices. That's why Caiaphas was not a Levite. So throughout the culture in this era, in this time in which Jesus uh, came to, to live and to carry out his uh, his destiny, his ministry, his work, mm-hmm. was was chaotic. It was confusing. There were, it was much like today. I mean, you see uh, churches that are totally abandoning uh, the word of God, the, the authority of Scripture, uh, the whole area of, of, of sexual morality, bringing uh, homosexuality, trying to present it as a normal thing, as is perfectly acceptable, and and we would go. There are so many other areas we could look at about corruption and about confusion in the spiritual realm among people who are trying to maybe somehow uh, come along and do the right thing in some ways. Uh, there's this. But 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 maybe it was even more complicated, more concentrated. Well, I can tell there. you this: Herod had imposed the rule, and this is one hundred percent reliable. He had imposed the rule every morning. The chief priest of the temple at sunrise had to go to Herod's palace and pick up the chief priest's garments. At sunset, he had to return. And of course, all Israel saw this, so everybody knew who was running the temple. Clearly, it was not the Levites. Caiaphas is not a Levite. And remember, Herod is not a Jew. Herod is an Edomite. And now I'm going to rock everybody's boat a bit. When the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., there was close to one and a half million Jews also killed. That's bad. We never talk about that. We just talk about the temple. But above and beyond that, there's something remarkable going on. People think it was the Romans. And it was the Romans, except one other group of people joined with them. Do you know who it was? I suspect it was old Edomites. It was the Edomites, led by who? Yes, Herod and his descendants. So are his descendants, actually, because the Edomites. So the Edomites joined with Rome. So then they were all, they were not a lot. They're probably less than 50,000 soldiers or Edomites. Some people estimate as little as 20,000. And Rome certainly was the main culprit. But the point is not only... The main victim, you mean, of... 
Rome? No, Rome. Oh, oh Rome. The call. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get you. And uh, so, but so you've got all this going on, and the reason is is because the Jews kept rebelling, and it's a tough, tough situation. At the time of the Romans, the Romans also had a law where fourteen Jews had to live on one acre. So this, if they can't control their own lives, their own destiny, and certainly not their own religion, their own temple. It's if in that context that people knows that, and you go back and you start reading these uh, these gospels with that knowledge, the thing starts helping you line up the parties of who you're really reading about at what time. And it's not just the Jews; it's the Jews that were either apostate and sold out to Rome and Herod, or people who may not even be Jews. But there were definitely some Jews that were apostate and had joined the other side because they were making their living that way. No doubt about it. And and in the mix of it, too, we meet good, simple, godly young, uh, I mean, not young, but men and women of all ages and so on backgrounds that, that are there in the midst of all that chaos and all that confusion and all of that compromise and all of that corruption. There were still good, godly men and women who truly, sincerely seeking God, trying to follow after God and obey his laws and, and live for him. And that's so... That's so amazing to me. The more I understand that reality, the more I can really get into the era and the time and the tension and the reality of, of the experience of Jesus, uh, the Messiah. And, uh, and again, though, no one, he seemed to see it clearly. He seemed to somehow because of his biblical understanding, his biblical uh, under, uh, understanding the scriptures, of course, and he had been given the key that unlocks those in the sense that he was convinced and knew that who he was, that he was indeed that Messiah. His mom and dad had told him that he, he saw it in the scriptures. He knew he had thought it through. He had studied it through. He saw the pattern. He knew what his function was. And yet he was way ahead of the curve, way ahead of most people, even the godliest, those who truly were trying to get it and see it clearly, uh, Jesus, I think, seemed to still be far well, ahead could of them. I, could I point out something in the Gospels? Never do I find where any of the disciples or Jesus himself has to sit down and explain to anybody what the Messiah is. No, There's no passages. Let me tell you what a Messiah is, fellas. Nobody does that. No. And why is that? Because the Jews knew what a Messiah was. They understood that. Wasn't it really their a primary con? I mean, weren't they the primary? I, I suppose maybe other cultures knew about what, uh, Messiah is a savior, right? A savior, a redeemer. Uh, well, uh, technically, yeah, technically to, means the anointed one, sure. Uh, anointed, uh-huh. okay. Uh, and so, yeah, the, it was part and parcel of the uh, of the Jewish revelation that they had, for the, I guess, throughout the Tanakh, throughout the. Mm-hmm. Throughout even the Torah, wasn't the, a Messiah spoken of uh, oh, yeah. in so Genesis? Different people can be so a Messiah, uh-huh. and of course, there's always the Messiah. But um, and one of the things that goes on even today in the Jewish mind is this: Are you ready for this? Okay. I guess I'm ready. Okay. Well, here's one of the questions: If many Jews will say, "If Jesus was the Messiah, that's great," and then that means that. I can go down to the zoo and lions will not eat the lambs. That means that uh, there's peace all over the world and everybody's treated equally. And the Jews look at that and say, none of that has happened. That's one of the wrinkles in the Jewish mind. Now, I'm also going to reinforce 
probably your position. Sure. What you read in the book of Revelation, in the Christian side of the Bible, uh-huh. um, you it actually is fairly close to the Jewish understanding of what they expected from the Messiah. And the second coming in the book of Revelation appears that he's coming as a hero, as a savior, as, if I may say, a champion. Right. <laughs> Somebody's last name I know of. Uh, a champion, indeed. Well, yeah, I think most... I'm guessing that a lot of uh, Christian believers are out there thinking, well, that's he does that. We haven't seen the lion, lion laying down with the lamb yet. We haven't seen that time of peace and that time of of, of order and peace that, that God will bring, that Christ, the Messiah will bring, because uh, he we're still in the era of the harvest, the, still in the time of he hasn't established his kingdom definitively, uh, on planet Earth, there is still live in a world where good and evil coexist, and people are being converted, coming to faith out of every generation, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Mm-hmm. And so, at, there will come a time, though, when uh, when that will be established. So, I'm, I'm guessing every believer is out there going, "Come on, just hang on along. He's he's going to come back and bring that kind of peace, bring that kind of order." Um, what he came the first time to do was to carry out the work of atonement. Uh, and that brings us to that word on the cross mm-hmm. when Jesus says it is finished. And you wanted to uh, ask today about um, yeah. Jesus said it is finished on the cross in John chapter 19, mm-hmm. verse 30. When he said the word finished, or accounting, it's an accounting term or a legal term uh, that we're told about, at least that I, I've come to understand. Maybe, maybe that's the part, uh, Jacob, that you're saying, a Jewish person looks on the life and ministry of Jesus, and they say, "But it's not finished. We're we're not." I'm going to with give the you lion and the lamb I, together. I'm going to share with you a different definition of that. Okay. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, I don't think he's saying it is finished. I don't certainly. And I know what you're saying because it says he's finished in uh, 19. Uh, what is it? 1930, I guess. So. It, what? Is oh, telecollecti. Uh, that's the that, it's something like uh, in Greek. Um, oh, I know. Um, I've heard. Yes, let me get to this. By the way, in my I can do that while I'm doing a glass of water. You know. <laughs> All right. I got to get that passage. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's. I, I know what it is now. Now I'm recalling it. Sure. Uh, go ahead. Go well, ahead. Well, anyway, but no. He says uh, in 1930. He says therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost or gave up the spirit. Now, let me say that I've always wondered about that because it certainly wasn't finished. He just died. Now he's going to go in the tomb for three days, three nights. And then he's coming back to life. And then he's got to have the second coming. So it's not finished. Here is what I think it's referring to. Are you ready? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's talking about Passover is finished. It's Passover has finished. Now, that's what I believe he's talking about. And remember, he's bleeding from the cross. And Uh if you look up at a cross, it looks a little bit like a doorframe. And remember, in Egypt, on on the doorframe is where the blood was put. And so it's almost like the cross, if you're looking up at it, it's kind of like a doorframe to heaven, you might say. And he's saying Passover is finished, is what I think he's referring to, because 
Remember, they, he, the Passover isn't done when they arrested him. It keeps going on. I think you're looking at the events that make the story of Passover. And when he says it's finished, I think he's referring to Passover is now done. That's right. Okay, I'm looking at that word. Uh, it's something, I can't pronounce it exactly right. Telecollecti, tenecti. Uh, and it has oh, yeah, the my, idea yeah of, my necktie. <laughs> something like that. Uh, and if I remember correctly, the idea of uh, it, it is finished, it's it's paid in full. And you, that would jive with the idea of the atonement or of the Passover. The, the payment has been made. It's complete. Uh, I, I, that's at least some of what I've heard. I remember hearing... Um, Oh, one of the teaching pastors here on, on this station also talking about that. Um, but but that's a famous the, the famous proclamation from the cross. It has been finished. The, the debt is paid in full. Uh, everything is complete now. The the atonement has been offered and given. Um, so in that sense, it's finished. Not that the entire redemptive plan now has come to a close. Uh, the atonement has been made. The redemptive plan, but the harvest continues. Now, in this era, men and women, as we said, from all over the world, are coming into the kingdom of God by faith and trust in Well, let's go one God's step further. Forgiveness. Uh-huh. Let's go one step further. Now, remember that Moses, throughout the Torah, every time that they would sacrifice the lamb, etc., the blood of the lamb, the fact that the lamb died is not the whole thing. The blood of the lamb must be sprinkled on the ark. Now, I'm going True. to I am going to strengthen the Christian point of view. I don't mind that. Okay. Actually, in uh, Matthew 27, and you may have heard this kind of thing before, it says the ground ripped open or rent open, and there was a big chamber down there, and that's where they used to hide the ark. Now, if Jesus' blood dripped down and went down through the broken rent or the crevice, it would have dripped on the ark. I think that's what chapter 27 of Matthew is about. It's trying to tell you that, you see, if all he died and his blood was there, that doesn't complete the requirement for the lamb and Passover. The blood of the lamb must be sprinkled on the, the ark. On the ark of the covenant, yes. yes. Very interesting that because some people do say that very thing that that earthquake that opening uh, and that underneath the I don't know and I don't get it and this goes beyond my my uh, um, I I don't know this for sure but some people do say that that somehow the blood did drip onto the ark now it wouldn't surprise me God is like well, that let, let's say it did not okay. if it did not. Then, quite frankly, in all fairness and kindness, I think the Christians have a difficulty because that last requirement must be met. Physically. Physically. Materially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to suggest and strengthen the Christian position <laughs> that it was from what I read. It looks like, yeah. I, I've heard that many times. And, of course, we've you and I have talked about the fact that people, uh, archaeological digs that have been made and so on and that someone has discovered that ark, that, uh, that no one has really actually claimed to have discovered the Ark of the Covenant, uh, but they did go down and make an exploratory uh, 
journey to see. And they came back and they were asked the question, did you find the ark? And what was the famous answer? Oh, actually, um, there was a group of rabbis uh, that were with some soldier, Israeli soldiers because they found that there's actually a cut staircase that was inside of uh, the mountain, Mount uh, Zion, uh, Zion uh-huh. where the current Golden Dome is. But uh, be a hundred feet to one direction, a few feet down under the centuries of accumulated dirt, there was a cut staircase that did go down inside the mountain. They came back out, and they did ask a rabbi, and I heard this rabbi say this myself. They said, did you find the ark down there? His response was very Jewish. He said, we have been asked by the state of Israel to not say if we found the ark down there. I can only tell you we're not looking for it anymore. <laughs> that is very that is a very and Jewish if you want to response. know something odd, it was actually that was actually reported in a large story in the Wall Street Journal, in I believe it was in September 2010. I'll be well. The, there you go. I, I I don't know. I guess I, I I don't know as far as this idea that the blood drips. You know I um I don't know. A lot of things are are. Um, ritualistic or figurative uh, I'm not sure if God would have insisted that the blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the Messiah would have to go and drip onto the gold box called the Ark of the Covenant or or not uh, I, I don't know if it's something it's an image or if it's a if, if it was a picture of what had to take place Uh or if, in fact, God brought it back, got it, and made it literally come true beyond even our understanding. I guess we don't have it clearly. We're not told clearly straight out that his blood went down in a crack or something and seeped down into and became a part of the and, and came in contact with the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, I, I don't know for sure about that. But it does, uh, the, the picture is fairly complete. And I guess the only reason I was bringing that up is that when Jesus said it is finished, he's talking about the atoning work, the 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 sacrifice been made, the uh, cleansing, forgiveness, uh, new birth is now has its basis in in reality. The the Lamb has come, the the, the redemption, the definitive Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It has happened in time and space. And that part is complete. May I I share, and I can see the Jewish skeleton in much of the Greek language that later became the English. Look over at 21, Uh uh, John 21. Right. um, Verse uh, 9 and 10. Okay. Now, I want to tell you that sometimes the word bread in Hebrew doesn't mean like bread we're thinking of, but bread means things that you eat. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, like it says, hey, I earn my bread and butter in America, in English. You're not earning bread and butter. They're giving you money. Okay. okay. Well, look what it says. So, when they got on land and they saw, they saw charcoal fire had already laid it and fish placed on it and bread. A fish Tin. on the fire and bread. Uh-huh. Uh, Tin. Jesus said to them, bring some fish which I have now, you have now caught. And, at any rate, so, Jesus in verse 13 took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. 
And he said, and I'm going to leave the book of John because one of the other books it says, Jesus says, these are my words. Now, if a person's really thinking about what they're reading, he's got bread, not really bread. I believe the other gospel is the correct interpretation, honey. And it's fish. So it, but it clearly here says bread, but bread could mean bread or it could mean meat or it could mean fish or something else uh-huh. or, or honey. Well, think about that. When he takes this bread and fish and he says, these are my words. Well, that doesn't make sense when you're just thinking about it. Now picture this as a, in a Jewish story sense. A picture, right? Yeah, a picture. He picks up in one hand a fish. He picks up honey in the other hand. And he's actually holding him out and showing these two items to these other people. And then he's talking when he says, these are my words. He's saying, look, fish, death, mm, that doesn't taste so good. Mm, I take a bite of honey afterwards, the sweetness of life after death. These are my words, I told you. See, it's fish and honey. <laughs> well, that'll preach, no doubt about it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not preaching. <laughs> I know, but uh, that would uh, that would uh, that would definitely be a, a possibility here. Uh, well, it's we clear. The, scene. It, the one, the only thing that's really clear is when he picks it up in his hands. His next, uh, his next thing he says is, "These, These are, are my, my words. words." Well, his words have to be what he's holding in his hands. So he's actually holding him in hands and showing people, say, hey, look, what I got in my hands. These are my words. And now it begins to make a picture, and that's the skeleton of the Hebrew. It's a picture. Yeah. The fish representing, you know, a fish is died. Yeah, if you take a fish. bite of a dead fish, it's not so tasty. But then you immediately take a little bite of honey, it makes it okay. I don't know. I kind of like, um, I like my fish broiled. <laughs> Pretty much, but anyway. Well, he he was cooking him on sure, a fire. I yeah. get it. I get it. He's making a point here too. That's that's great. Well, no, it's it's interesting. I, I I saw that this week as I listened to the Gospel of John and and read through it again. It is just so full, Jacob. I mean, it's just every word, every story, every passage. There's just so much there that, that in this very very tense real life human situation here is jesus this one who has come who is who is knows on the authority of god's word and knows who he is clearly has a clear conviction there's no doubt in jesus mind he's not questioning who he is or what he's doing or or he's he's walking with confidence uh, with boldness uh, proclaiming who he is and trying to walk out the walk and finish the course and wow what a there just couldn't be a more uh, a more uh, couldn't be a more dramatic moment in human history than when God Himself comes and presents Himself to make atonement to carry out the work of redemption, and He has to do it in a human world, a real world. Amazing thing. See you next week, folks, here on the Bible Life. Dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture, and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com. 
for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.